Hello and welcome to the Monarchium Performance Podcast. I'm your host, John Sillis. Okay, guys, welcome back to Season 5. We've had a bit of a hiatus away from the show for the last couple of months, but we are firmly back now. For the guys returning to the show, thank you for your continued support. It's very much appreciated. For any of our new listeners out there, hello and welcome. I hope you guys really enjoy the show and you get a lot out of it. If you do, we've got a simple fee we always ask for here on the show, and that is if you get value from the show, if it makes you think, then please, you know, share the show out throughout your network, your friends. Let's get this message out to a lot more people as well and continue to grow this show. Like I say, we're not a big sponsored show, so we very much grow organically for you, the listener. Now, just to give you guys a little bit of an update on where we're at with the show. We've got some awesome, awesome guests lined up for this season, as well as we always do. Uh, we're going to change up the format slightly as well. So in previous seasons, I was very proud that we could bring you an episode every single week into your inbox there, just so we could keep you up to date with all the best from people who are working on the ground within the tactical space and doing the research as well. Uh, due to the demands, due to demands of coaching commitments and also my, my schedule of physiotherapy school at the moment, I'm going to change up from every week to bring you an episode every two weeks. This is just going to lighten up my schedule a little bit and continue to make sure that we give you guys the great content you come here for. Now, before we dive into the show today, I've got a great guest for you in Richard Subland. I just want to make uh, one thing quickly clear, uh, and that is that the views expressed in this episode are those of Richard Subland alone and do not represent those of the Royal Air Force or the Ministry of Defence. Now, with that out of the way, before we dive into the episode, there is a couple of issues we have at the start just regarding audio quality and some background noise, but please just stick with the episode, guys, and we'll get through that, and you'll just listen to Rich dropping some great knowledge bombs as well around his career path and leadership as well. Now, to give you a bit of a background on Rich, Rich is a former Royal Marine Commando that's currently serving as a military physiotherapist officer in an executive leadership role. He's also the profession's lead for 38 full-time and reservist physiotherapists. In addition to this, he's also a leadership development consultant outside of the military. He's launching his own leadership coaching program this year to help allied health professionals, doctors, and dentists develop their personal, professional, and leadership skills. So make sure you guys check that out. I'll be linking that into our show notes as well for you guys to follow on there as well. Without further ado, hello and welcome to the show, Rich. Thanks, John. Thanks for the invitation to talk to you today. Uh, no problem. I mean, I've seen a lot of stuff uh, you've piled on social media. You've been a guy who's been on my radar for quite some time, mate. So I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Yeah, I'm glad glad we finally found a, a lull in a battle to catch up and, and, and talk everything leadership. So Definitely. thanks for the invite. No worries, mate. So obviously, Richard, just a quick overview of you know your background and that, like very much uh, just highlight points. But for anyone who hasn't come across you in your work, can you just tell us you know, where your career started out and where you're currently at? Yeah, so as you alluded to in, in the introduction, I, I joined the, the Royal Marines at the age of 16 and, and passed out of uh, commando training and, and earned my cover to Greenberry, as you, as you suggested. Uh, and then very early on, as a young soldier, I, or Royal Marine, I deployed on combat operations in, in Iraq and Afghanistan. And I guess it was the, the close relationship with injured military personnel that inspired me to study for my physio degree mm-hmm. and then uh, and join, join the military as, as a physiotherapist officer, which I, I have been since uh, 2010. Um, and I've, I've done that aspect of, of my role in the military ever since. Um, that's taken me across the, the entire 
defense medical rehab program so i've worked at every tier of, of, of rehabilitation in, in defense and um i that's what's led me to to having the privilege of working where i do now at stanford hall which is the defense medical rehab center as, as a officer commanding the rehabilitation division which is basically responsible for the output of about 160 allied health professions that work in the clinical teams across dmrc at tertiary level re rehabilitation um i've kind of although I still keep my hand in clinically i've kind of fallen into uh, more of a leadership management role now at the executive level and uh, it's very much part of my uh, my my, my specialist interest really in, in 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 rehab is you know i'm a firm believer that poor leadership equals poor clinical care it doesn't matter how good you are as a clinician if, if the leadership management structures are, are suboptimal and that will have an impact on, on the care and a detrimental one and um i've uh, studied for an mba in, in management um i've completed a pg certing in coaching and mentoring and uh, I've also done an MSc in musculoskeletal medicine, but it's very much uh, have an interest in, in, in good leadership um, across healthcare uh, because I, I'm a firm believer that's the foundation of good care. And um, I'm sure we'll talk more about my approach to, to, to leadership throughout this, uh, this podcast. Um, I've published an article um, looking at a, a transformational coaching approach to effective healthcare leadership. Um, which very much underpins the that leadership approach that I take. That's awesome, Rich. I mean, definitely a lot I want to unpack in that as well, mate. Uh, if we just start at the very beginning there, mate, you know, what, what, what drew you into your career within the armed forces, and especially within the Royal Marines? Yeah, um, the Royal Marines, it was more about um, having grown up in Devon and, and lived across the water from Limston, which is a commander training centre. Um, I had a quite, quite a close relationship because of geography with, with the Royal Marines, which was like my local um, military service, if you like. And uh, I, th I think it was really the challenge of doing the arduous commando course at such a young age. Um, I actually got told at school um, by my teacher that I, I would never uh, pass the, the Royal Marine course. So that was something that, that drove me on. So it was more, it wasn't really about having the opportunity to go go to war and, and, and go on combat operations. It, it was more about the challenge of passing such an arduous course. Mm -hmm. and, and as you said, get the prize of it with being buried at the end of it. Yeah. And I mean, obviously you, you said in the intro there as well, you know, it was being around guys who'd you know, been injured on operations and stuff like that. And that sparked your interest in physiotherapy. Why, why specifically uh, physiotherapy? Why not, you know, something like medicine and that? Why, what was it that just drew you into physio more than anything? I think, because I, I trained as a physical training instructor as well. Um, and, and I was always a kind of, I was always in, like, I had a passion for um, physical training. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, not having experienced what kind of physical rehabilitation could do for people when they had life-changing injuries, um, it, it was kind of something that, that was it was a inter, intersection of my passion really where it was uh, physical exercise and uh, working with military personnel and, that, and that's why I, I embarked on the journey of becoming a physiotherapist and then um, commissioning as a physiotherapy officer in the Royal Air Force thereafter. Yeah, that's an interesting point there as well obviously you made the transition into the RAF because for some of the people listening, they may not be aware of like the armed forces structure and that. There's no physiotherapy roles actually within the, the Royal Navy itself, is there? It's just within the Army and the RAF at the moment. Yeah, the Royal Navy used to have a physiotherapy branch, um, but they when they commissioned physios back in, I think it was the 80s, 90s, um, they, the, the Navy 
if you decided they weren't going to commission. So um, the lead service became the army and they are, and then the RAF. And, and now we've got kind of a joint kind of structure within the two services. Um, I've been a physio for 11 years. I've probably spent seven of those years working with the Royal Navy and Royal Marines. Okay. So, so it's not that the Navy don't value physiotherapy. Uh, they, they, they're just, it's just provided by the other two services. Okay. So obviously transitioning through into the RF there, Rich, you know, what was that, yeah. uh, what was your work looking like when you first got into the RF there and just, you know, starting out as an initial clinician? So as like I said, after, after doing my officer training, I ended up um, working in a primary care rehab facility. And since then I've worked across every tier of, of defence rehabilitation. Um, so prime, primary care rehab facilities are like your, your outpatient department. So your musculoskeletal training injuries. Um, and, and, and you provide that kind of primary care service to helping injured personnel get, get back on their feet and, and, and back to work. Uh, and then, then, um, then I moved to a regional rehab unit, so which is like a second tier, um, which deliver residential rehabilitation for um, sports musculoskeletal injuries. Uh, and, and I've worked across several RIUs and, and PCRS. Uh, until I started my kind of current role, which which is um, at the Defence Medical Rehab Centre as an officer commanding. Mm-hmm. What was that? What's that been like then? Just that progression from unit to unit, and just I'm, I'm guessing you had more and more leadership responsibilities went from unit to unit there. Yeah, I mean, I think quite early on, uh, you know, as an officer, you're not you're not just there as a clinician. You you know you you're recruited because um, of your leadership management skills. So I kind of fell into to leadership pretty early on in my, in my career as a physiotherapist and I had to kind of, although, you know, very well supported to develop my leadership skills. I'm quite lucky you know, to be part of a, an organization that helps me on that journey. But um, you also learn from experience as well. You learn on the job and, uh, you know, I guess you moving quite quickly into lead, leadership management, I had to kind of learn quite quickly and the hard way. So um, I learned a lot from, from that experience. And uh, yeah, it's just um, something that, you know, I, I think you never stop learning. It's like clinical practice. You never stop being a better physiotherapy. Uh, it's the same with leadership and, and management. You know, if you, if you turn up and think you're the end product, then you're going to become unstuck pretty quickly because things change um, and, and things have definitely evolved as we enter more of a kind of hybrid working environment. Um, and, uh, you know, through digital transformation, it's definitely... Uh, you know, I've had to adapt my leadership skills. So, you know, you never stop reflecting on what, how you can do things better. And, and, and that's what kind of makes you the best you can be. And obviously you were saying, you know, for a while in the, the Royal Marines, you were a physical training instructor and now is, uh, you know, a clinician in a leadership role. You're dealing a lot with, uh, you know, rehabilitation training instructors as well. Does that help you cross that barrier and get that buy-in from those guys as well? I think it does. Yeah, my background, obviously, I've been afforded to, to work with different people. It, it definitely helps with, in terms of some credibility. Um, I think also just like leadership's about understanding what makes people tick. And, uh, you know, having been worked alongside uh, ERIs for, for quite a while, uh, you know, and, and know the kind of cloth they're cut from, it, it does help with uh, guards to um, getting the best out of them and understanding you know, how they approach things. That's interesting, mate. And then obviously now, 
you've made it up to the Stanford Hall as an officer command of rehabilitation up there. Um, the commander you're saying is, is 160 allied, allied health professionals you're looking after at the moment. Are you managing that, that, that cohort there? Yeah, so I mean, that comprises of uh, ERIs is one, one um, profession. Uh, you've got uh, OTs, physios, social workers, psychologists, um, nurses, pain nurses, you know, they, they all kind of come under that, that umbrella of, of AHPs. We also work alongside consultants and, and doctors, which have managed doctors in the past. Um, but very much uh, my division is, is the allied health professional component. Uh, and then you've got the supporting staff. You know, it's not just the clinicians, it's the, all the administration staff that, that are very much the glue of, of what we do. And, and probably you know, very, very important part of, of, of delivery in terms of that impact on, on patient care. So uh, yeah, it's a full um, IDT interdisciplinary uh, team uh, full of different professions but podiatrist was another one as well okay and i mean how how are you managing you know what, what's your overall leadership style you're using to approach everyone within those different like those different departments and those different hats they've got there i think my style is very much a, a transformational coaching approach uh, I, I have the privilege of, of leading managing i, I like to say lead, we lead people manage things so i'll say leading uh, very experienced clinicians, clinicians that have got a lot more experience than I have, a lot more years behind them than me. Um, I, I think based on that, you, you can't go in with a too, too transactional, autocratic approach uh, when when you've got very experienced people around you who are very, very highly capable and, and um, have a, a you know like a, a really good IQ um, to get the best out of them. I very much take a, a coaching approach and that's based on my own research article that I published as well mm -hmm. um, because I know that's the for my research that's the approach that's most effective um, I believe that leadership isn't no longer linear you know a top-down approach is very much fit for the industrial age yeah. um, when we worked in factories and, and, and uh, on, on production lines uh, in a healthcare set and we, you know particularly now it's very hybrid um, world's changed quite a lot um, I, I'm a very much an advocate of, of the leader leader model. So I see leadership not being um, a position, but it's a choice that everyone can make, regardless of what level they're at or where they work. Um, I I think that it's my job, really, at the, at the kind of in the executive um, field of leadership, to empower people at every level. Um, and I'm a firm believer that you know you've got to have the systems and structures in place to ensure that. Um, people can be empowered um, to, make, to make decisions. And, and if they have to push problems up the chain, it's very much, uh, here's a solution, or here are your options. You know, I, I intend to do this, uh, not like just asking for the answer because, uh, you know, we, with the speed of digitization now, you, you can't, it's very, it would be very efficient if you had to get a kind of uh, permission to, mm -hmm. to act on every decision. Um, so it's about um, empowering personnel um, putting the systems in place to support them and and very much trusting them to be able to do their jobs and and, and lead from uh, you know the, the very bottom up mm -hmm. as opposed to top down so I'm, very, I'm very much uh, an advocate of the leader leader model as opposed to leader follower yeah yeah and i mean with that then rich you know what what's your approach then from the coaching perspective of you know developing leaders down the chain not just from the top down sort of thing you know so guys who can lead up the chain as well what's your approach for that yeah so i think firstly you know developing leadership skills are very important uh, and i think it's probably what university programs should 
be able to do better is, is, is developing clinicians from the, you know, the start of their career and all the way through, not, not just kind of, oh, you, you know, you've been a physio for 10 years uh, and expect to suddenly be a great leader. Unfortunately, it, it, it doesn't work like that. You know, it's a, it's a skill set that, that can be learned, uh, but it's also a choice that people can make, but we've got to put the, be, be better at supporting um, clinicians, I think, early on in their career. So I, I, um, I mean, I, I've sat up by my, com- my coaching company, which is 4D Peak Performance. Uh, it's very much in its infancy, but, you know, given that this is a passion of mine and uh, it's an area I want to do outside of my primary role, my, my job, um, because I, I really want to be involved in supporting the profession to develop uh, leaders for the next generation. I, you know, 4, 4D is uh, is the four uh, dimensions of human intelligence. So it's not just kind of about your IQ. You know, IQ is important for having vision and understanding kind of um, where we're going. But also, you need you know physical intelligence, um, having the the kind of the energy. And the, you know, being the having the ability to to make things happen as well, which, which is also important to develop. Um, and then, kind of emotional intelligence is key. So, understanding what makes people tick, understanding what what motivates yourself. Um, leadership always starts um, from inside out. So it starts from kind of uh, your own frame of reference. So that's why it's important to develop this. You know, the self aspect of leadership first uh, the four dimensions and then spiritual intelligence as well so you know it's about, it's about how you know if you get if you get kind of um if you get pushed off the beaten track how do you get back on the track and you've got the resilience to kind of get get back on your feet um and 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 stay on course um because you know no as i say no plan survives first contact so i, I use the kind of to answer your question i've got kind of the share method um, which uh, the first, the S is, is self, that's the four dimensions that I just um, alluded to. And then H is for, for humanity. So it's, it's no longer that you can't just be a heroic leader uh, and everybody will follow you to the top. You, you've got to kind of bring the team with you. So a very much advocate um, getting the balance of, of, of the, the individuals within the team, um, the task and and also like achieving the task, but also developing a team that's, that's cohesive, engaged, and, and they work together towards the, the bigger aim. Very much firm believer in uh, the team is bigger than some of its parts. So as a leader, it's, it's about kind of having the systems in place to, to empower your team, but it also on an individual level, you know, can, can you understand what makes people tick? You know, there's different human needs. Um, and, and individuals within the team are, are driven by um, those different needs as well. So that you mean the, the first one, some people are driven by certainty. That's the, that's the first human need. Individuals that are driven by certainty need a little bit more structure. They, you know, they're, they're, they're a bit more resistant to change and, and therefore you have to adapt to, to get the best out of them and provide them that, that kind of routine. Others are at the other end of the spectrum that they're, they're driven by uncertainty and these individuals need more variety in their roles so to get the best out of people that need a little bit more variety you obviously mix up the roles to get the best out of them uh, and then um, the, third, the third need is significance so others are, are very driven by um, promotional promotion prospects um, and I, th- I think these individuals tend to want to be valued um, 
and that's based on my own research that I did. I did a good focus group of um, of military healthcare workers, uh, civilian and um, military, and 100% of the the population all suggested that they just wanted to come into work and be valued. So it's very much a need that's um, important for um, healthcare professionals because I think we value our autonomy and we value kind of having a kind of purpose. Uh, the next need is um, connection. So these these individuals that are driven by that uh, by that need tend to need more reassurance. Um, they they want to get that feedback. They want to be told they're doing a good job, and, and they respond to that really well. You know, and I'm, I'm very much a firm believer in in, in terms of valuing our people that we, we recognise hard work. That's in, that's an important leadership trait. Um, the the next one is is uh, growth. So some people are, are, are driven by uh, the need to grow. You know, I was very much I can relate to this when I was I started out as a physio. I wanted to do my masters. I wanted to do every course that was going. Uh, I was very keen to kind of grow. That was that was very much the need that, that drove me um, to be better every day. So the, 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 these individuals need kind of opportunities to do CPD. Uh, they, they want that support. Um, to develop themselves as, as clinicians and then uh, you, you've got the um, need of the spirit which is um, meaning some people just want to ensure that they've, they've got purpose and that the, the work they do um, has a bigger impact on society so I think in terms of getting the best out of individuals it's understanding what makes people tick um, there's, a, there's a good YouTube video that I, I would suggest people watch uh, by Tony Robbins in 2006, so it's why people do what they do. So that, that, that's what those needs are based on. The the other uh, kind of aspect, um, or the other model that you, you could probably you've probably heard you're more familiar with is Maslow's hierarchy needs as well. Mm -hmm. So um, so on an individual basis, understand what makes people tick. I would advise, you know, if you're in a leadership role, spend time drinking, you know, tea with your, your people. Yes. And, Know a little bit about them, and you'll soon try and work out what, how you get the best out of people. Yeah. Um, that's a, that's and then from a team, Chris, I was going to ask just quickly there, like, what was your your process for, for gathering that information? Is it just corridor conversations over a brew? Is it you know performance reviews and find out you know right is this person more driven by certainty or uncertainty or that uh, that uh, promotional prospect uh, progression for them, or is it? Um, you know, is it uh, those performance reviews or stuff? How how you gathering that information and what time span are you looking at? I think it's a bit of everything, John. If I'm honest, so I think you know the, the performance review is is a very important component, but also just getting out, talking to your people, um, getting out of the office and, and walking around, having a cup of tea, having a brew. Um, you you soon you soon start to learn how you know what, what drives people by kind of talking to them and listening spend a lot of time just listening to them, find out what they do outside of work. And, and, and I think you'll soon be able to profile your individuals without kind of doing anything formal. <laughs> but it's just about understanding ultimately what makes your people tick. Um, yeah, and I, th I think just getting out on the ground. Um, but yeah, the, the, the formal side of it's important as well. That will kind of add to your perspectives and, and, and give you that bigger, bigger picture mm -hmm. um, and having a regular review. That's all part of having a coaching approach, you know, setting goals, really um, drilling down into, into um, what kind of is the current situation for that individual. 
Um, I think I think with these individual needs as well, they, they they can change. So although a few years ago I was driven by growth, I think I think personally I'm now driven by uh, meaning. So you know I want to come in and, and make a difference. I'm very much uh, passionate about trying to make a difference for for our profession as well, and and the wider healthcare industry. So you won't find me enrolling on another masters um, just yet, but I'm very keen to use the skills that I've worked hard to develop to, to help other people to help drive the profession forward from a leadership stance. Um, and then going back to the share methods. So that was like humanity because uh, ultimately you're trying to get, you're trying to balance the needs of the, the team to task an individual and that's the sweet spot. So if you just focused on the task and not the people, you end up disenfranchising the, the, the team and uh, you know, you will have high levels of absenteeism, high levels of sickness um, and people will be unhappy. It will affect morale, but by getting a balance, um, you know, you, you basically build a resilience into the team, mm-hmm. which, which, which is a, is, you know, what you're trying to achieve. That's a John Adair's model um, of the leadership, which is kind of very much a functional approach to, to leadership. So I, I think from my experience where, you know, you work hard with your team, if, if, if you do neglect the, the kind of individuals within the team and, and ensuring that you've, you know, you've got, it goes back to the golden, um, the old, old Aesop's fable of uh, the goose and the golden egg. So if you just focus on getting the golden eggs, you end up with a sick goose. If you, if you, if you try and get the balance of, um, the ability to produce those golden eggs so looking after the goose then you'll get a nice balance so mm-hmm. you can't have one or the other but you still need to get the golden eggs yeah. um so in terms of the task it's about setting the right metrics as well you know defining those golden eggs what are you what are you trying to achieve um and that's important in terms of setting up the right structure and what gets measured gets improved as, as you know as a strength and conditioning coach mm-hmm. um so yeah and then obviously you need to get the golden eggs that, that comes into action. So the A is, is all about taking action and getting things done. Mm-hmm. So and have it, having the systems in place to, to support people to, to deliver you know, their, their job. And then we move to realignment, which is um, building that kind of shared vision, mission um, and values from, from the ground up, which is very much in line with uh, Professor West's research on um, developing high-performing healthcare teams. So uh, all the all healthcare, high, high-performing healthcare teams, when you look at the, the literature, they, they, they have that shared vision, mission, values that was built from the ground up and reviewed regularly. And, and that's very well documented in the literature. And then finally, excellence. So it's, it's about kind of um, striving for excellence, not perfection. I think as healthcare professionals, we can sometimes be uh, perfectionists. I don't know whether that's something to do with our training, uh, and and we, we we can sometimes strive for 100, percent and and you know instead of just 70, percent which is, you know, sustainable arguably, and it's about kind of um, not stigmatizing failure, but learning from failure and creating that um, organizational learning culture, which is very much important for building a, a high-performing team, mm-hmm. and that and that's just not just learning from your failings, but learning from what you do well as well. You know, and not being driven by perfection, but just celebrating the small wins, uh, which, as you, you're aware, it will kind of um, reflecting on your practice is very important, but also in leadership position, reflecting on your leadership because you won't always get it right. Um, sometimes you will, sometimes you won't, sometimes it could be better. 
but, but I think it, it's about learning from kind of every day and having that kind of mindset to be better every day than, than you are. That's, that's a great overview there, uh, Rich. And I really like that stuff around the, the realignment process and selling that vision to the whole team from the ground up. Um, reminds me, I read years ago about the NASA when they were developing the Apollo missions and, you know, from very much the ground up, like the guys in the building who are the cleaners were like, you know, I'm helping to put a guy on the moon by providing a, you know, clean, safe work environment for everyone to come into every day. So they understood their role within it as well and how they were impacting that big mission overall as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like I said, the the, um, the team is always bigger than some of the parts, so it's um, it's important, you know. But you've got to keep the team to get the balance between the the team, the individuals, and the task. It's it's about really realigning yourself to the task. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and if you it's like a an aircraft that's you know takes off, it it doesn't just kind of stay on course for the whole journey. You know, you have to kind of recheck your navigation and make sure you bring that that aircraft back online so it kind of gets to its destination in a timely manner um all the other all the other analogies climbing a mountain you know when it clags in you've got your compass you get it out you check your bearing and you have to do that periodically to make sure that you you know you, you're going in the right direction and that's just with your team as well that's part of bringing your team with you great points there rich and one of the things you you, you highlighted before and we were chatting off air about it before as well it's just like that, that process of stepping into lead, leadership or management sort of roles as well. It's, it tends to be you've been a, a clinician or you've done your role for seven, eight, nine, ten years, whatever it is, you know, and then suddenly like, right, you've got seniority, we're going to put you in as a manager. And it's, it's very much a different different skill set that you need to step up and be a manager and a leader within that team. You know, what, what advice have you got from, you know, your career? path that you've taken for anyone who is either transitioning to that or currently in those sort of leadership management roles? Um, I think follow the share method and I think that's a good start but I, th- I think first of all make sure you you develop yourself first because as I said leadership is is an inside out function so start starts from within um, I think looking after yourself, self-care is important. So, you know, as a, as a leader, it's easy to kind of um, worry about everybody else but yourself. Um, and again, it's about the, the golden eggs and, and the goose analogy, about getting a balance of production and production capability. Uh, you know, if, if, if you don't like sleep for eight to nine hours at night, you're not going to have the energy. You know, that then affects you. That makes you more stressed um, if, if your energy levels are down. And then that makes you more reactive around things that may happen throughout throughout your day um look after your health like nutrition is important exercise all, all the advice you know we would give to our patients it, it's the same applies when you're, you're in a leadership management role um i would try and get the balance again go back to that sweet spot of, of uh, getting the balance between the team the task and the individuals mm-hmm. that's that's important um to ensure that you kind of don't end up with a disenfranchised team um i would um have a kind of try and build that that shared vision mission values you know if, if you've got a team that are aligned um and, and on the same course then um, you're more likely to take the team with you and, and not leave them behind mm-hmm. which will, will will pay dividends in, in in the long run uh and then just kind of um create that kind of learning culture like i said it, you know, every, every high performing team if you look at the all backs 
you know, they, they have a learning culture. You know, they learn from the wins and the failings. So it's, it's important that kind of um, we don't stigmatize failure, um, but we also don't forget the, the successes that we, we kind of, uh, you know, the small wins as well, which is, which is very important. And, and having that, that growth mindset as opposed to a fixed mindset. That's how you get better every day. That's decent. Thanks a lot, Larry. Now, you touched upon it uh, previously, saying you know what what gets uh, uh, measured is managed. You know, sort of thing. You've got to keep a track on those performance metrics. Mm. Do you? So, mm. with regards to yourself and your team, now you know what. How are you tracking performance and holding you know people accountable within the team? Yeah, well, I mean, simple things like I guess having values. You know, if you, if you value kind of get like one of my values in, in a previous team was. GSD, get stuff done, you know, mm -hmm. and you get really buy into that from the off and you, and you hold people to account. Um, it will help productivity, you know, and, and just get having the right systems in place and the processes, making sure they're, they're streamlined and, um, you know, they're simple and efficient is important. But um, little things like, I mean, just from in terms of basic measurement of performance, just having a kind of spreadsheet with tasks uh, on, you know, and, and reviewing them regularly, you know, mm -hmm. progress. And, and holding people to account. Every every high performing team have accountability. Um, that is basically the, the foundation of, of team performance is, is, is having structures in place where people are held to account mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and take responsibility. And that, that leader leader mindset as opposed to leader follower, you know, don't wait to be told, um, be proactive. Mm -hmm. And what's your, what's your process then, Rich, as well? So say, um, because a lot of times some people do struggle with things like, you know, having those difficult conversations with colleagues or, you know, sometimes patients now, you know, what, what's your approach to that? How do you get around that, that either awkwardness or just that difficulty of having those difficult conversations? Um, difficult conversations. I think it, it's about kind of having, again, it's about having the kind of the values from the start, isn't it? And, and um, integrity, honesty, and setting that those those kind of uh, those values at the start, which everybody buy into, will make things like having difficult conversations a lot easier. You know, and, and being honest with with your people. Um, if you're taking a coaching approach, you know, feedback is one of those kind of coaching skills that, that's important. But it's, it's about how you give feedback, I think. Um, and and uh, you know, you've got the old bathtub effect. It's not just about kind of focusing on on people's weaknesses. Uh, but all, but it's, it's it's about kind of celebrating what they did well as well, I and mean, that's all about developing that that kind of coaching improvement culture. Look, Rich, I'm always interested in every guest we get on the show with regards to what they're doing for their own development. So, with that, could you just give us a a book, an app, or website you personally find useful for your own development or your own education? Um, I think I think um, in terms of developing leadership skills or, or kind of personal development. I would probably read one of my favorite books is the seven habits of highly effective people. It's definitely worth a read, whatever profession you're in. Um, I learned quite a lot from that book uh, in terms of going back to self and, and like leadership starts inside out. You know, I think if you've practiced some of those habits, it'll put you in a good place. Either if you're a clinician or a, or a clinical leader mm -hmm. in the future uh, and developing them habits, to become more effective. Uh, the second one is um, a good read is Turn the Ship Around, which is um, by David Marquette. Um, 
that, 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 that talks about the leader leader model. So that's definitely worth a, a, a read. So there's lots of physio podcasts out there, isn't there? You know, it, it, if we're talking leadership from a leadership perspective, um, then I very much um, you I very much follow uh, Hawkins um, team leadership. That's good. But if, from a clinical perspective, then there's there's some really good podcasts out there. Uh, um, I, I listen to um, Adam Eakins' is the NAF Physio podcast. Mm -hmm. I think it's called um, quite a lot. That <laughs> Can be controversial, but um, also it's um, learned quite a lot from that. Um, you know, maybe some things I agree with, some things I don't. But it, it's uh, it gets me thinking, which is good. Uh, another one that I would uh, recommend is um, the uh, one with um, Jack um, Jack Chu. Um, oh, um, do you know the one? Well. Uh, yeah, I think it's Visual Mar. Yeah, li yeah. Listen to that. Oh, on a lunchtime, sometimes if we get time. So um, he, he gets some really good diff, like, different speakers in um, across all, all the sub-disciplines within the profession as well. So that, that's worth worth a read, definitely. Cool. That's great, Minix. Thanks, Laura. I'll make sure I pop them in our show notes as well so everyone can access. And Rich, yeah. um, obviously it's been great to finally get some time lined up with you, Rich, and pick your brain around everything on physio and leadership. Um, you know, for anyone who's listening to this, who, you know, wants to, to reach out with any further questions they've got or inquire as well about um, your, your, your coaching consulting work as well, what's the best ways they can do that? Um, I'll just, um, I'll be launching my website soon, so 4D Peak Performance, so you, you'll be able to join the, the community for free. Uh, and also I'm I'm, I'm on most uh, social media channels. Um, mm -hmm. I think the username is at, at medical leadership coach. At, sorry, at med leadership coach. Uh, you should be able to find me there or, or Rich Sutherland. Rich, I'll make sure I stick them in our show notes as well so anyone listening can just access them nice and easy as well. Um, you know, Rich, once again, mate, thank you very much. I know you're a busy guy, so I really, really appreciate your time you've given up for us. Thanks, mate. Yeah. Um, thanks for having me. <laughs> no problem, buddy. Take care. We'll